Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Now, you want me to do the intro? That's like an ant pushing a tricycle. I can't do the intro. That's impossible. <laughs> an ant pushing a tricycle. Yeah. yeah. You know that common phrase. Right? Mm-hmm. Is this in the episode? Yeah. The, yep. As a matter of fact, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, John Delancey has lines. <laughs> Just why you didn't want to do the intro because you weren't sure what was in the episode? <laughs> I was too distracted by the cute butt mouth people that look like cats. Yes. Finally, some real aliens in here. <gasps> was this the inspiration for the live action Cats movie? <laughs> I think we're, I think it's a little past that in the time. They have life. no fur on their face. They don't. They're just the buttholes. Yeah, but yeah, just the butthole. <laughs> oh, that feature of cats. I understand. <laughs> yeah. What episode is this? That's right. It's Deja Q. <laughs> wow. Nailed it. As you most surely have guessed by now. <laughs> Great intro. Thanks. This has been flawless. Yeah. It is Deja Q. It's episode 13 of season three, where the crew of the Enterprise is attempting to help a planet threatened by their moon falling out of its orbit. They're interrupted by Q, who's been stripped. Don't let of... your moon talk to you like that. Yeah. <laughs> you were interrupted by B. <laughs> you know what? That's that's about the, the level of interruption that we should expect from both Q and you, so that's fine. It's <laughs> thematic. Uh, but Q interrupts uh, in a much more abrasive way, which is where he's uh, sideways and naked, hovering in the middle of the bridge. You know what? Uh, don't threaten me. Right? <laughs> Good on him. At least he's not wearing green. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> These aren't my colors. It's I love constant. I love how serious he isn't, like, all yeah. the time. And he is the most serious part of, like, of the next generation because he can do so much and has so much effect on everybody. Mm -hmm. But like, the first first two lines are just red alert, right? <laughs> and these aren't my colors. <laughs> like, yeah. Q, what is happening? <laughs> uh, this is interesting that there was a, a part of a butt on TV. <laughs> I think Still this was a big it. deal for the time. Probably, and not well, even on a mouth. That's more normal that's, and acceptable. Yeah. Well. I wonder though, like, there's the different standard between like male nudity and then like frontal nudity, uh, as opposed to anything else. So we really just got like a haunch and like a part of a cheek. Yeah. Really, Ooh, right? haunch. Good word. Katie hates that I use that word. Haunch. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. The Come haunch. here, honey. Let the me grab your haunch. I, I, I say I w shouldn't refer to anything on any on. I shouldn't refer a to person. her anything on her as a haunch. But I'm no. just saying a haunch in general. Yeah, I don't right. even know what a haunch is. Is that a cut of pork? I, I just say it's like the lower part of your back, right? The Ooh, I think of it as like the back of a horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's okay. your horseback. I don't know. We don't have the internet. We can't look this up. No one will know. <laughs> no one will know. Either. It's fine. Q's having a really rough day, though, so maybe you shouldn't be so hard on him. It's true. Things have honestly never been tougher. Mm -hmm. I really love this plot idea. Like, this definitely felt like someone in the right room. Wait, did we did we explain? Kind of. The moon's falling, and then Q shows up, and that's pretty well, much. <laughs> you're right. I didn't get to finish my sentence. Uh, something interrupted me, but I was going to say 
Q's been stripped of his powers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. It's okay. About the interrupting. It's uh, of, you should probably stand up for yourself. <laughs> no, no, no. But speaking of standing up for ourselves, Q has is humiliated, literally and figuratively, by having to put on clothes and explains to the crew of the Enterprise that he has been kicked out of the continuum. And of course, no one believes him because he lies all yeah, the time. Why would they? <laughs> why would they yeah for sure uh he's treating them like puppets so why should they assume they're not being treated like puppets now however he doesn't really have any way to fight back against being pulled off of the bridge and so when he asks them how to prove it Worf says die <laughs> very clever Worf. eat any good books lately yeah it was zing <laughs> delancey has some good zingers in here this is when I think Q gets real fun. Like, mm. they, they'd started dabbling it within the first few episodes, but he was such a, a high school bully slash older brother to a, in a lot of his attitude, mm-hmm. and he, he started to show his charm in it, but this is the episode where I loved so much of his lines in this. <laughs> oh, yeah. He really crushes. I mean, Q's the best. Deal yep. with it. So we find out that after Data scans Q, that, yeah, it looks like he is a human, and he's reading as human. So Could they're like, trick. well... Let's take him to the brig and see if he stays there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. And uh, they assign data to keep track of him um, because they need his help. They don't quite believe him that this moon isn't part of his doing falling out of its orbit. So while they're trying to push the moon back into its proper orbit, which they've been failing at with their tractor beam technology, they right. start asking Q for ideas, right? Man, yeah. yeah. Well, what do you do when a moon starts to fall? Does this happen often? Is this the Federation's problem when it does? That's an interesting question. Well, it seems as though this civilization has enough advanced technology to be able to contact the Federation. And so, uh, like, observing this decaying orbit of a moon, eventually what's going to happen is it's going to crash into the planet. So if you're technically aware enough to ask for help, then the Federation is responding to a distress beacon, and it could be preventable. Right. I call it Chicken Little Syndrome. Or The Boy Who Cried Wharf. <laughs> ah! <laughs> that was not me. That was Q. But the sky yeah. is actually falling. Like The sky is falling. Their continent is going to be obliterated, right? Yeah, yeah. Ugh, it's tough. Tough out there for a planet. So wait, can I back up a second to what Xander just explained? So mm-hmm. you're saying that like we wouldn't have helped them normally if they couldn't have contacted us because of the Prime Directive? Yep. Sorry. Well, I guess if, well, we wouldn't have known to look there. Right, you know what I mean? Right. Like well, if what they if had you come were across, observing? What was that? What if you were observing like that planet right. where they had the anthropological question and they thought Picard was a god? Mm-hmm. What happens if that planet had its moon coming towards it? What do you do? Because that's the thing. You would let it happen. Now, what I think Starfleet would do would be to observe the phenomenon. And then, like, because who knows, it could lead to an ice age giving rise to another dominant species. You know, you can never mess with the natural occurrence or the order of things. That's the prime directive, at least. Yeah. You know, Picard and Beverly especially wouldn't let that happen if they saw it <laughs> but, on their watch. Right. They, they were able to find this planet because they reached out to them and asked for help. With their butthole faces. With their With butthole their faces. their butthole faces. <laughs> Cute little butthole. Uh, Jake, 
uh, sorry for the people <laughs> faces faces for the people listening to the podcast but Jake, the makeup I really artists think, who work on this show yeah i really think you did the viewers watching on youtube a disservice by not making your green screen background <laughs> the cat butt mouth people i just afraid it would get pulled down off of youtube that's true because just a couple of buttholes behind me <laughs> Well, what you have right now uh, is Q and Data. Oh. End up <laughs> just one they, butthole. Just one butthole between them. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought about it before, but does Data have a butthole? We talk a little bit about it huh. in that he likes to consume some things. Who knows where it comes out? Yeah, he mostly just likes to drink a l- tall glass of lubricant. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, give me that ice cold lubricant, but yeah. also make it room temperature. It's better on uh, my my processing. So this is a scene in Ten Forward where Q realizes uh, after working in engineering and getting frustrated that he he's a little hungry. Actually, right before this, we have a great yeah. scene to him where they're explaining to him the complexity of their problem, and he's like, "I don't believe it" or something like that. They're like, "What?" He's like. I think I threw out my back. Yep. <laughs> All of, there's these peppered moments of humanity that are in. The, the very first one was he's put in the brig and he was like, I don't know what the heck just happened to me. But like all of a sudden I couldn't move and I couldn't open my eyes and I was like unconscious. And Picard is like, you fell asleep. <laughs> I just love that he almost never talks about the important plot point at all. He's right. just so fascinated with what his new limitations are. Because that's fun character to write yeah to just oh i burped what is this strange thing you know but he wouldn't know the word for it totally that shot in the turbo lift with him going in the circle just talking about how crappy humanity is he's like yeah. i can be tickled now my hair will fall out like i love yeah. i love humanity that is scene. suffering yeah sorry q deal yeah. with it the thing is, like, we have John Delancey as an amazing actor, and then we have Brent Spiner just as this reflection, also an amazing actor. And the two of them together are just perfect. Yeah. And the symmetry of uh, Q being a human when Data has always wanted to be human. Data has a great line about that, like, you achieved in disgrace what I've always tried to achieve, like, as a purpose. An irony. It means that you have achieved in disgrace what I yeah. have always aspired to be. That's it. Yeah. Good line. Great line. What a great juxtaposition. I totally mm-hmm. agree, Xander. So he takes him to, so Data takes Q to 10 forward when his stomach gets a rumbly. And they ask for suggestions. And uh, we get another reference to Deanna Troy's favorite dessert when she's chocolate. a little stressed, which is a chocolate sundae. Yeah. I feel like they're really laying this call out <laughs> in hard. I want to know the origin story of the love of chocolate. They just have to get character things in while they can. Picard yeah. hates kids. Picard Troy likes chocolates. Yeah. Riker plays <laughs> a trombone. Oh. Riker plays anything with legs. Yeah, Riker is a trombone. <laughs> and even then. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this, yeah, we are in 10 forward. We get, uh, oh, chocolate sundaes make you feel better. I'll take 10. <laughs> I like that the bartender doesn't even question it. She's like, okay. And then it gets a bar happened. assistant to also get five more so they can each carry five on a tray. Also clearly hears that he's never eaten food before and yeah. doesn't blink at that. Responsible no. serving thing. is like giving him one at a time and seeing how, checking in on him. You know? Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, do what uh, you this want. This is really irresponsible serving behavior, but it makes for a better shot. Speaking of serving, though, we've got Guinan serving looks. Can we talk about this outfit? Incredible. <laughs> serving looks and serving forks. Yes. <laughs> Guinan coming in Wait a hot. Minute. 
I didn't notice that her outfit was different than normal. Yeah. It, oh, it's got this red shimmer moment that was draped, and then the headpiece was incredible. The headpiece was oh, like not as uh, you not see as a like lot disc. whiter. Yeah, disky. Yeah. It looked a little silly, but this one is yeah, way way more. This badass. one's like a tube of lipstick that'll kick mm. your ass. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah. Yeah, oh, and uh, again, Whoopi Goldberg nailing every scene that she's in. So I love good. that they use her so, so sparingly, and I just love that they don't go into detail about their animosity. I mean, she yeah. mentions, you know, that she mentions that he uses uh, species as his playthings, right? But right. we don't know what their history That'll is. That'll never and come back to bite you. He's yeah. definitely intimidated by her, and I love it totally. cause he's not intimidated by anybody. He talks down to everyone but her. And I just, uh, this this scene was great. Yeah. She okay, lets him have it. Yeah. All she does, oh, I'm seeing the outfit. It is drapey. It is red. <laughs> it is gorgeous. It's sparkly. And then she uh, does not hesitate before grabbing a very sharp fork and stabbing him in the hand. Ultimate yep. power move. Yep. Didn't expect it. I didn't expect not it typical. at all. Like, not a move I would write for Guinan either. I was kind of surprised, but I did. I, end, I ended up liking it, but I was like, I can't believe they just... <laughs> went to rash violence right away, right in front of Data. And I was yeah. like, and then then you get like, oh, yeah, he's probably tortured many people in her life. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the least because she's somewhat pacifistic otherwise. So I think they've hinted that she, that her species was tormented by mm-hmm. the Q continuum mm-hmm. when she had. So the, there is a history. The claw there. hands against. Yeah. Him yeah. And that other episode. Right. The Q continuum or this specific Q. There's no difference, Becca. Welcome. <laughs> Get out of town. Impossible. Don't believe it. Well, they all are they are all called Q too because when yes. Corbin Burton makes his appearance, we realize that he is also a Q, right? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Joe, we can't get there yet. When his back is pulled out, he <laughs> casually drops that maybe if you could just change the gravitational constant of the universe, it would be no problem and you could just fix everything all at once. But he makes an interesting point about examining the cause and not the symptom to Jordy that perhaps there is a large celestial object passing at near right angles. What does that mean? Oh, that you A could... dimension we can't perceive? A black hole. Either a black hole or some sort of anomaly, something that you could latch on to, like a, a tether, or um, just they just need to change the gravitational orbit of this thing by a little bit so that it doesn't crash into the planet. So if you could link it to something else, instead of changing the gravitational flow of the universe, change the flow of the object. Yeah, you know what would be easier? Just get Q's powers back. Just get Q's powers back. Yeah. Well, I love. There was a great line in here too. Uh, Q becomes sort of. Uh, like taken aback by the orders that are given and he's like who does Jordy think he is and Data comes back with he thinks he's in charge and he is correct (laughs) (laughs) Data has such a this episode Data has a ton of great lines because not only you know pointing out the irony but just the simple way in which he unadornedly explains things to Q in such a basic way it's really beautiful and it's really impressive writing that they can distill down a concept in a way that is so clear for the android to s- speak it. It it shows off Data's role as, you know, mm-hmm. this generation Spock and why you see why this character is in Star Trek because mm-hmm. they want a voice to reflect the many uh, intricacies of humanity and our wave of 
solving problems, right? And I love the way the data defines it. Well, not only that, we get the the only one of the only times where the positions are reversed. Data is teaching someone else how to be human, showcasing the things that he's learned. Ah, this means you're hungry. This means you want chocolate. I know these things. And we are rarely the, seeing that. It's normally the opposite. Data needs to be given some suggestions of what kind of normal food people should eat before <laughs> they go to 10 Sundays. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Uh, speaking of things that are unique to humanity, why does Q choose the Enterprise when he is told he must choose a species, become mortal, and go somewhere? And it's he it's admits, friends. yeah, he friends. admits it's our uh, well, not only the only thing that doesn't despise him and can tolerate him in the universe is Picard, but also the fact that humans have a unique capability for forgiveness. Especially if it's your friend. <laughs> the only friend in the whole galaxy. Oh, Picard, you're my friend. <laughs> it couldn't be for any other reason. <laughs> and he gets called out, and yet they still fall for it. <laughs> he also said he only had like a few seconds to make the decision between that and like a Beruvian slug or something like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Could have been nice. Could you prove that you have empathy and have feelings had you chosen a slug? How do slugs express their feelings? Mm, that's true. But we find out that his real, it was really for protection, that he knew that all of these people would be after him and that the Enterprise would be his best chance at being protected from them because he knew they would take pity on him. Yes, both people and swirls of ionized gas, like the Calamarians, which attack as soon as they're trying to execute their first move of dragging this moon back into its correct position mm -hmm. with the ship, I don't know, some fancy technobabble. And <laughs> then they have to put the shields down in order to do that. And yeah, he gets right. all caught up in a cloud of whooshes. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's it. That's essentially it. Yeah. They uh what do they do? They manipulated their warp field or something to like Yeah. They're expanding gravity. their warp bubble to add, to add gravity to their tractor beam to be able to push it more. Yeah. It's a fun answer. But yes, as Becca mentioned, they whoosh, <laughs> they lowered their shields to the point to where the ionized gas can freely attack and does, unfortunately, cuz they have a personal vendetta against Q, we realize. He might have uh messed with them <laughs> significantly. Mm -hmm tortured whatever yeah we don't but know. really but now, i think they, they were, get their chance they were just trying to show him a particular dance move in the q wiggle it's where it you light was up a good wiggle wiggle <laughs> yes. i want to know the direction that he was given for that <laughs> what like what he was told the special effect was going to look like because it was very much as long as you don't move where your feet are and thrash about uh, you'll yeah. be correct <laughs> it's a wacky inflatable arm, There are ants arm, man. crawling all over you. Get them off. I would imagine something like you're being uh, manipulated by a gaseous alien species. What does that look like? Ooh. Go, John. Uh, <laughs> can we try something else? Oh, we have to move on to make our day? Good okay, enough. I guess that's what we're going with. Just nobody look at the dailies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some other good cue lines. This is getting on my nerves now that I have them. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I'm not interested in human interpersonal relationships. I just want to prove to Picard that I'm indispensable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also love that he references the Crushers back on the show. He's like, ah, Dr. Crusher, Starfleet has shipped you back into exile. <laughs> yep. Right? Because she's out in deep space. <laughs> he would. So the ionized gas is attacking us, and we can't get the moon back into its orbit 
and still hold off these uh, life forms that are trying to attack Q. So that's our dilemma going into Act 4, right? Mm-hmm. Do we care that much about them not getting Q? I guess. Yeah, well, that's where we have to choose, right? Where Picard is like, I'm just going to ignore all the Q stuff that's happening and try to fix this immediate problem before this planet is destroyed. And ignoring the Q problem means that the entire Enterprise gets attacked because they didn't differentiate. Although, even though the hole was breached by this spacious gas thing, it, it didn't really affect anything else. It was very targeted in its attack. So even though they tried to up their shields, and that's what aborted their first attempt at the moon mission, mm. they don't really need to. They can make Q handle his own stuff. Mm, I'm yeah, just I, saying. Maybe. I guess I'm no Captain Picard. <laughs> well, I'll Q... change my user handle. By then... <laughs> But by then, Q's learned a lesson, right? Because at one of these attacks, Data tries to save him, and Data gets knocked out. And we and... get some wire work in there. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. I, I looked like they, they – I don't think they shaved his head. I think they covered his hair and then put more makeup. And then his oh. layering, how they do this on him, always blew me away as a kid. And it's still very impressive because it looks pretty great. Yeah, well, actually, I was I was talking about with uh, Q, John Delancey gets put up on wires. Oh, and wires. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but also yeah, that. that no no you're right yes the wiring yeah 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 because he gets infected by the the caladarians or whatever they're called and it starts floating away and then data just grabs him and is heavy enough to intercept whatever's happening literally the only set we have on the ship where we can do a little bit of vertical work and it always yeah. is in the warp <laughs> core yeah <tunnel>. yeah yeah <laughs> yep uh, well, they they shot it in a wide you know you right? don't you don't yeah. see the wires that much no, and data. Doesn't even think about it before sacrificing himself to try and protect this not even a member of the ship, hmm. ship crew. Yeah, this temporary human, right? And so right, right. Data... Arguably ha- has more humanity <laughs> in his pinky. Soon to be ex-human. <laughs> well, Jordy makes the point that, like, is this worth protecting Q anymore? And mm. Q realizes to Picard, he's like, well, why would... If Data made a sacrifice for me and if our situation's reversed, what would I do? And that's that's where I guess it starts to click for him, right? Yeah, because he's like, I wouldn't. <laughs> yes, he admits that's not how I work, right? Yeah, he's a real piece. Yeah, yep. but he starts to feel a little bit of guilt, which must be that pesky humanity kicking in. Mm, there it is. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, it's the worst. It's how they get you. Yeah, so he <laughs> hops in a little transport. What do you call it? A little a cruiser. Shuttle. A little shuttle. Yeah. And he's like, uh, I'm just going to let him get me. Sorry, Picard. I know your heart is probably broken, but I'm out. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of like, you know, you just took our shuttle, too. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about it, but how are we going to get all our shuttle back? This gets to an interesting perspective, too, because it shifts to the things that Picard and the crew are doing, which is normally our focus, become the background. The, especially some of their actions you just hear about, uh, because as Jake mentioned, another representative of the Q continuum pokes his head into this shuttle uh, and they have a conversation and they're like just casually referencing, oh, they tried to put your shields up or they're trying to beam you over. I'm stopping all this from happening or like, yeah, yeah he, he had like very surfer blonde hair, yeah. with the same <laughs> outfit with the pinafore thing, right. pinafore onesie. Uh, in in gray. I wonder if the line about the color and the costuming being awful was written and then the costume created, or if that was thrown in after they got into wardrobe. Wow. What? The lines <laughs> about the costumes? Yeah. 
of like this isn't my color I, that's intentional i think oh, i mean i think it's intentional it's also kind of drab i mean even for the 90s civilian uniforms they give people on the show yeah but yeah. like they're always making fun like the fact that the q decide to wear their clothes is always to make fun of them because mm-hmm. i love that q's a captain whenever he wears the uniform that's right. he's like the exact same rank as picard he's not yep. above him and he's not below him he's the same yeah. <laughs> i yeah. love that choice and he's constantly like i want to be back in the uniform give me the uniform (laughs) (laughs) he's asking for it yeah no you didn't take the starfleet exam you can't have a uniform (laughs) you don't deserve to wear that uniform uh that extra q uh i guess the other q is what we'll call him is uh corbin burson yeah q2 of course uh an actor who you may remember from like major league in the 90s is what i remember most from he's on a ton of television as well yeah a fun guest appearance, though, because you you can see how much character John Delancey gives to his version of Q as opposed to how another actor would portray it. And I think they're both charming, but they're different. You need to have someone who's going to, for lack of a better term, and this sounds arbitrary, you're going to need someone who's going to hang it, ham it up a little bit, honestly. Totally. Like, they were both, they're both very theatrical, so yeah. you need someone who's going to go for that as well. And I think, I think it worked. They were great. I think so. Yeah. And I, I love I love the mischievousness of them too because they're still bending the rules. So we we learn that by this Q's standard, quote unquote. I mm. guess what the other Q did was somewhat self-sacrificing. It was somewhat a quote selfless act, right? Because and if that's in the timeline, mean... that's a lot of paperwork. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say he's very much Jeff Daniels and Dumb and Dumber. Yes. Version yeah. Of oh, that and hair. the look, the hair. Yeah. Yeah, a yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. Like that Q. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, he, like this, like our John Delancey Q, just doesn't want to deal with the rest of the continuum. It's so much explaining if this Q Mm. perishes under different circumstances, right? So let's just say you did it. (laughs) You did it. I kind of like that. I like that there wasn't an over-rationale except for the fact that these Q are just like silly in their rationale, right? Yeah. They'll take what they can. It's the flimsiest excuse to do anything. It's all fuzzy logic. Yeah, yeah. I love that choice, honestly. Yeah. We, we deal so much with like hard logic in the show, especially the exactly. three of us also analyzing the logic. It's nice yeah, to just yeah. have like a, we do what we want. You've done it. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. In TTRPG, this is the rule of cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Cool. It is the rule of cool. Immediately, he starts threatening the gaseous calamari, uh, calamaris <laughs> or whatever. Yep. <laughs> The gas shrimp. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, the gas shrimp. Don't mm-hmm. make me do it again. Um, right. He doesn't. And then he, like, he... extinguishes them. And I wasn't sure if that murdered them or if they just got tiny they and then went dispersed. away. They just they have to. Dispersed. It'll take one Minimized. century to just get back together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. And Q actually shows that he is grateful by giving a little gift to Data as he departs. Well, Let... in a mariachi band and, like, a bunch right. of other stuff. The cigars. The, the cigars got me. I lost it. Like, I just love the simple choices they make with him, too. It's like, mm. not only is he celebrating with his mariachi band, but he's just like, you know what? And just snaps cigars into their mouths. Like, they have to take them out. I love, I love so. <laughs> But let Brent Spiner do anything. Just point a camera at him and let him do whatever he wants. I will watch it. Yeah. The transition from the deep laugh in back into data, not knowing what oh, was happening was what? a Masterclass in facial so acting, right? So good. <sighs> Truly transformative. That's the other fourth wall, sem- semi-fourth wall breaking moment, Xander, was when uh, he he teleported those two women next to Riker. He goes, you oh, weren't yeah. like this before the beard. Yes, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pre-beard Riker, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah, Postbeard Riker, he's more sensitive. He's he more is. looking for an emotional connection. An and he's like, I don't need this because I could get anything I want. <laughs> Although those women were extremely beautiful. They were. There was some serious underboob happening. Yep. Yep. Yeah, more more boob than not. Well, side boob, top boob, and underboob, depending on which outfit you're wearing. And Worf wasn't into it either. Yeah. Oh, and we didn't actually say that the gift that he gave Data with the incredible face acting is laughing because yeah. one of his examples of the things he'll never be able to do, being not human and wanting to be, is to not know laughter or why it happens or what it feels like. And yeah. he did describe it afterwards as a wonderful feeling. Data yeah. had a feeling. Big deal. Yeah. It was a really nice moment. And then they did that corny little uh, cue button where <laughs> Picard goes to say engage and he you know, puts another cigar in his hand. And uh, then a Jake ho- loves like, that joke, though. Jeez. The holographic smoke cue. Mainly <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. because I just didn't see it coming at any point. Right. Like, yeah. Even when it happened again. I didn't see the second one coming at all. No. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Uh, would like to quickly notate that the butt face, butt mouth people. <laughs> yes. Uh, cat face, butt mouth. Uh-huh. They That's do the, the Wakanda name. Forever hand sign. They do. On the way Oh, out. yeah, they do. Yeah. That's true. Oh, and Q just fixed their moon, of course, because he yeah. could. He gets his powers back. I do think it's weird that Q refers to his abilities as powers. I thought that was an interesting writing choice in that it's not just... I can't do what I like. I think abilities might have been a better choice. Just acknowledging that he had powers feels like right. a very human perspective. That's a very good point. But well, he was a human in that instant, but he didn't have the experience of a human. That's exactly. a really good point that it was always like, why don't you know how to do these very simple things? Yeah. I think you mentioned it though, Becca, is that it's from the human perspective, right? Is because now he speaks from a place of absence of those powers, right? Yeah. yeah. But part it is a missed fun joke of a lot of his jokes come out of, I newly have this thing and I right. don't even know what it is that my belly rumbles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, what is this? I'm like debilitated. I feel, you know, severely handicapped. Right, oh, right. Because you don't have your Q powers. Exactly. You mean stuff everyone should have yeah <laughs> yeah his like just change the gravitational constant right. of the universe <laughs> how do you just deal. do it I yeah love that. anyway probably one of my favorite episodes of the season i really liked this one now you two and all of the writers in the writer's room at the time were very tough on the last episode it was very complex we spoke about it for a lot longer mm. and yet q gets in here and it's just like in and out but everybody's happy. What's yeah. the difference here? Well, Don't try so hard? For me specifically, like I like both. Um, I, I didn't dislike the last episode, but I do think that Star Trek is at its best when it tackles difficult issues with levity um, or with this um, like utopian perspective of like there's a better way to deal with this than, than the tactics of terrorism or whatever. And it might be absurdity. And I think the uh, approaching things with the Dali-esque absurd angle is a refreshing way to solve problems. It's literally thinking outside of the box or the frame or the Mm -hmm. television show Mm -hmm. in the meta-referencing. And I think that, especially for writing of the time, is very refreshing. But within Star Trek, it's just another genre of storytelling that we get to play in. So it scratches a different itch. 
I very much agree with that. I like both types of episodes. And as I did rag on the last one a little bit, but I don't think that was because of the type of episode it was, because I do like mm. a lot of those. I think it was that there was so much preaching in between the action. And also, yeah. like, the action served towards a, a preachiness that, like, still wasn't very compelling to me. Uh, mm-hmm. That, like, I didn't, I wasn't as moved by it. We've had a lot of episodes where there were a lot of those conflicts and there was a lot of exploration of those things. Measure of a Man was a really talky episode and preaching right. in its own way. But that wasn't so exposition-y and they got into the issues through their talking just like this episode did too they got yeah. into the hu- humanity by showing it right i thought that was uh, more compelling also yeah. just a quick to point out that there's the difference between the dramatic acting and the comedic acting and we had great examples of both because while this the first episode that we watched together today um was was a great example of this dramatic close theatrical acting uh this one was a master class in physical comedy and reacting and improv you know in timing it's all great yeah and for that reason i much prefer deja q to our previous episode because i love the comedy of it and i think that's what really makes this show unique is that it's not just it's never a space battle but it can't always be a space negotiation sometimes it just has to be what else is in the universe and what can it do and it's probably weird. <laughs> I, I think we talked about this in early Q episodes, but when I was a kid, I didn't really like the Q episodes very much because I thought they were kind of like, uh, I don't know if they, I thought they were dorky. Like I just, I, I wanted the action. Yeah, cheesy. I wanted the action. I wanted space drama. I wanted, yeah, more adventures, whereas Q was always like poking fun at all my favorite heroes. <laughs> yeah. But now I love them. Now I can't get well, enough of children them. Children have no irony. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, there's also a perspective of what you're consuming at that age. When you're a kid, you're constantly getting these cheesy, you know, aimed at mm-hmm. kids entertainment. Mm-hmm. And then finally you get access to something that's more adult and action oriented. And then you see this cheesy stuff. But when you're an adult watching it, it's reminiscent and it's like, oh, it's light and fun. Let's let's do that because you're constantly getting sort of heavier stuff. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. more of this for sure in the future especially if you're watching picard there might be some cue in your future too but in our yeah. future we've got more of season three of star trek the next generation with a matter of perspective when uh-huh. Riker is charged with the murder of a prominent scientist each side uses the holodeck to show their side of the story <gasps> it's a good one Ooh. Oh, this sounds epic use the holodeck for more reenactments yeah <laughs> Let's just make it a murder mystery show. It'll be great. Yes, all about that. All right, let's get to it. <gasps> In Engage. Oh, I said cigar. Cigar. Oh, I thought said Shakar, your D D show every Tuesday. <laughs> hey, Twitch.tv slash that bronze girl. 